What a story, huh? I mean, sometimes uh, I think we walk through life somewhat uninspired, and it's someone else's story that is that jet fuel for us to get rolling a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about, if, if you paid attention, and if you're feeling what I'm feeling, why you're feeling what you're feeling, because Dave's story is full of what I would call there's no way comments and situations. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever faced something going, there's no way? Uh, I, can, I can debrief with his story. Uh, there's no way I survive this. There's no way I make it. There's no way I come up with what I need. There's no way they accept me. There's no way God will love me again. There's no way I'm ever going to church. There's no, you, you hear the, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And I think, personally, that's what many of us are missing with the Easter story. We know the Easter story because, frankly, um, you're at church, right? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not oblivious to this. But sometimes we go to church and we do the Easter stuff out of ritual or responsibility, and we forget that the Easter story speaks directly to there's no way thoughts. And I wonder how many of us have had that recently, huh? So um, let me tell you a truth that I'm going to then explain. Very simple here. God is fully aware of every no way we face. Any other, any, any no way, any, anything you've ever encountered and you've either uh, thought it or you've said it or you might say, actually, David, I can prove it. That's fine. Uh, God is fully aware of every one of those. If right now you're wrestling with, uh, whether it's finances or relationship or, or health or whatever it is, and you're like, there's absolutely no way this, is, this situation, this relationship, this issue, it is gone, it's dead, it won't work, they will not return, this is broken forever, God's aware of what you're aware of. Easter brings this up. In fact, uh, I'd like to take it just a little further than that. Before we were created, God was making a way for whatever you and I have faced. Now I know. I mean, I've got kids, and sometimes I say things this will shock you, they disagree with. I know you're shocked by that. Uh, I'll say things, and, and, and I'll, it'll seem like a, well, no, that, that doesn't apply all over. But, but I believe God has been making a way to either fix or use whatever you and I walk through. But I want to point out why. I want to walk you through the Bible. Uh, and in fact, I think maybe the best way that started the, well, the beginning, uh, if you ever open up the Bible and you start at the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, verse two, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. If you look at the beginnings of creation, what you can skip ahead and learn is that God is actually making an environment where he's going to land with, there's going to be a man and a woman that he creates, and all the surroundings around are for them to actually, for you and I to actually thrive. I know we get this. We're like, okay, okay. this is basic science, right? And God makes it, but he's, but he's making it in such a way that I don't know if you've ever caught this, that's what's preceding the invention or the creation of men and women is God makes literally an environment, a place that they can thrive in. From the beginning of the Bible, we begin to see God stepping in before, during, and after your life and mine 
making a way. Let me bring one up that messes with some of us. And I thought, let's get offensive and weird for a second. Genesis chapter 2 then turns and says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I wonder if you've ever thought, let me just say it because I've been asked this question a bazillion times. If God loves us and if God made paradise and it was so epic, why in the world did God create a tree in that environment that they weren't allowed to eat from? Because what do we do when God says don't do that? We're like, where's that tree? Where is it? Right? Have you ever thought about, if you've seen bad or you've seen issues or, or temptations, have you ever looked around and said, if God is so good and so loving, why does he allow that? And I can't fully answer all of them, but I can tell you why I believe that tree was in that garden amongst all the other trees. It's because God loves us so much that he wants a relationship with us. The way I was taught it, it wasn't a setup. It was a way. See, okay, okay, it would have been a setup if God said, I've made no trees except this one tree and you can't eat from it. But he did not do that. He made epic paradise and said of all of this, of everything, there's only one. I believe wholeheartedly that you should look at that tree as an opportunity to defeat evil. Think about, okay, if I ever want my kids to ride a bike, I hope you don't think I'm a cruel dad setting my kid on the bike and I know what's about to happen. Do I, 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 if you've ever watched this, there's plenty of YouTube now, even of adults doing this. Uh, but if you begin to learn a bike, ride a bike, it is highly likely that you will have at least one crash. It's highly likely. Am I cruel or, or, or perhaps I'm being a good dad at helping my kids have the opportunity to actually get victory in this? And if you've ever seen a kid learn to ride a bike, it's like they've mastered the world. Or if you like sports, I do. If you don't, just tune me out for a second. Um, if you watch a kid go up for the first time ever, and I'm not talking t-ball. I'm talking where they got to get up and they got to swing that bat and it's the first time ever, it is highly likely, statistics tell us, that kid is striking out. If you were to pull back and look at how you and I often look at life, we would say, that's cruel. How could you set that kid up for failure? But none of us talk it that way, do we? We don't say, you're setting him up for failure. You're saying, no, I'm setting him up for success. That there is also the potential, yes, that, that there could be a failure, but there could be, there could be a home run hitter there. Do you see how often we treat God, we look at the negative of what could happen, and I think God was going, no, actually, uh, you can have it all except for that one, because I want you to kick Satan's butt. God was making a way with that tree. So let's review. Do you like pictures? I need them in books. If we were to walk through creation, as I just told you, I think creation reveals that God was making a way for us to survive and thrive. Then I just brought up to you the tree, Adam and Eve and the tree in the garden. This is not an exact example. They did not have cameras back then. I don't know what fruit it was, 
but I want you to visually begin to think about, wait a minute, from the beginning of time, God has been making a way for different reasons, but making a way. But let's go a little bit further into the Bible. God says to a guy, hey, I'm about to flood the earth. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you all the specs and all the details to build an enormous boat because I want you and your family to actually thrive. So I'm gonna give you a way. You read the story, it's full of cool stuff. But I believe it's God going, I'm going to make a way for you to actually live. That's just the first few chapters of the Bible. It's amazing. You keep reading, you're going to learn about the Israelites being put into slavery. And around Easter time, if you watch TV or if you grew up in, this, in the season where always the Ten Commandments was put onto TV, right? And, or, and there's even the Prince of Egypt cartoons and things like that. This is the era I'm talking about is God's people get put into slavery for 400 years and then God makes a way. God did. Through the plagues and Moses' leadership and all that, God makes a way for them to get out of slavery. But then, uh, not too soon after that, uh, they run into what's called uh, a sea. <laughs> and uh, being, they've been slaves for over 400 years. I don't think swimming was an elective that they were taught. And so they're at the Red Sea facing a major issue. And again, if you've watched this movie or read your Bible, you learn that God, no one else, God does the absolute impossible, divides the sea and says, why don't you take this route? And he makes a way. This is why you begin to learn that in the Bible, oftentimes God is referred to as the way maker. So you can jump to the New Testament. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus' first miracle. He's at a wedding. And uh, they run out of wine. Uh-oh, right? Well, in that culture, it was a far more uh-oh. It was shame on your family for the rest of all of your generation if you ran out of the wine. Jesus finds himself at a wedding. They come to him and are like, hey, so what are we going to do? And he's, he's like, it's not my time. But then he decides his first miracle is to turn water into wine. If that's not a big deal, go try to do it at home. You're like, yeah, that's, that's hard. Jesus makes a way, even in this moment, for this family to not be embarrassed. Recently, I preached on where people didn't have some food. The disciples were like, hey, they're hungry. Let's send them all out. And God's like, mm, no, let's do this. So Jesus multiplies bread and fish and is able to feed thousands upon thousands of people. Jesus began to lay the groundwork that he makes a way. And one of my favorite stories, Jesus encounters a blind man. A lot of times we skip over this kind of stuff. Well, that's cool. Can you imagine in this culture not being able to see? It meant you couldn't work like you should work, and basically you just sat and were considered worthless by most of society. You couldn't produce for yourself. You couldn't do a lot of things, and so you just sat. And would you not conclude that there's absolutely no way specifically for you to ever be able to see let alone there's no way for you to have any kind of good life. But Jesus says, I can make a way. And he gives them his sight. I think Easter should spark in us that maybe what I see as an obstacle is something God can do something with. But the truth is, no way situations uh, can be all-consuming. Let me talk very personally with you. Um, 
If you've ever faced a no-way situation, it's probably a situation that you don't love to put out on social media, right? It could be that even right now, you're looking at your marriage going, there's no way that we make it. You might be thinking in your heart right now, there's absolutely no way. I mean, he or she, and you got all the details, but there's absolutely no way that we make it like some of these other couples, and that might have been where you've concluded. Maybe you've sat in a doctor's office, and the doctor tells you news, and the doctor even tells you there's no way to fix this. If you've ever looked at your monthly expenses and income, and you're like, there's no way and sometimes in tax season that kind of surprises you and like there's no way those are not moments that your mind's like oh no biggie (laughs) the no way situations are full of fear they consume your thoughts you go to work thinking about them you go to school thinking about them you have conversations with people about the weather thinking about something entirely different consuming The reason I bring all of this up is that's exactly what was going on on Easter. No way. In Luke, we begin to get a glimpse of this. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? They've just showed up. They've shown up to the tomb. They've showed up to the tomb, and they're like running into some angels. That's weird. I get it, and, and uh, all-consuming. Um, why are you looking here? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. I'm giving you a glimpse that why they arrive at the tomb, they aren't sure what's going on, and they're like, where is the body of Jesus? There's no way this is actually happening right now. Then the people that we're supposed to count on, <coughs> the disciples, <laughs> they quickly show up, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look, stooping, He peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings and then he went home again wondering what had happened. What had happened? Have you ever wondered that? I have. (laughs) I'll admit it. Pastor, reverend, don't call me that, right? We talk about this regularly. Uh, Have you ever had a situation there was a no way, no, oh my goodness, what's going on? I don't know what to do. And and you walk away going, what just happened? What is happening? Uh, Maybe you're not able to get pregnant. Maybe you're not able to get uh, to where you want to go, the job. Maybe it's full of uncertainty and you're like, what is happening? It's consuming. That's why we need Easter. To constantly, annually remind us that maybe there not, might not be a way, but someone who can make it. That's what Easter is, and so what we have to do, if you're anything like me, what you have to do is you gotta remind yourself of some things. And so we gotta remember, what, what did Jesus say? Like literally what came out of his mouth, but also what did Jesus do? Let's start off with what he said, because it's a huge deal. Jesus told him, I am the way. This is, this is often why they say that uh, when, when what you and I would call Christians of the church followed Jesus, what, when that played out later, they were like, they're followers of the way. When you would follow Jesus, he actually referred to him as he is the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's the way. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, 
that may make no sense. If you did grow up in the church and you're like me, you just didn't ask questions when things were confusing, it still may not make sense when Jesus said, I am the way. So we need to go to a couple places. We definitely need to go to the cross. I know when we celebrate Easter, you're like, yeah, but the cross is done. The cross is done. It's morbid. It's graphic. It's painful. But we got to go to the cross because the cross tells us about this way that Jesus is making for you and I. I'll show you in the Bible. Uh, pay attention to these words, and, I, and I'll highlight them, but Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty, okay? A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked up a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. I mean, it is, you may have at least seen um, uh, scripts of this. You understand this. Like, oh, I've, I've heard about Jesus saying, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see a couple times there the word finished being said there. And, and you and I would say, yeah, finished. Like, you know, end of the race, uh, end of the work day, or I finished the test, right? And we're like, yeah, finished is, is no big deal to a lot of us. Uh, I want some time with you to help you understand how big a deal this is. Let's nerd out for those of you who like to be nerds along with me. The original word is here, which is the word finished. You're not being duped. Don't be like, am I reading the Bible wrong? No, you're right. You're reading right. But the original language there was to pay. So when Jesus is on the cross, it should be like of huge importance to you what Jesus said on the cross. And what he says on the cross of, of multiple things, he says it is finished. But what you got to know is what was really said in that moment. Like in that culture, what they would have heard and what we're supposed to get. He says it is finished. You know what that word is? It's an accounting word. How boring at first, unless you're an accountant, which we are so appreciative of you. <laughs> but you, you don't think of the crucifixion of Jesus having a moment where he's using accounting terms. But you want him to use that word. Archaeology tells us, as people have dug up things from this specific era, from this very moment, all around, they have dug up what you and I would call receipts. And what they have found on these receipts is this word finished paid so what I want you to get is when Jesus is saying I am the way what he's trying to tell you is I am the opportunity you have to get your debt paid and on the cross he not only said it before that on the cross he basically said debt paid and so, perhaps that highlights verses like Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Please don't be a person that ever thinks that you're perfect. Uh, it won't fit in well with our church. We all pretty much are willing to admit that 
We all have sinned. The Bible states it, but I think we all know it. But Romans 6, 23, three chapters later, for the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. The only way to pay for, to remedy, to actually make it even is death. Now, I know we live in a culture like that seems kind of extreme. We didn't make the rules. So Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. This is why when he's on the cross and he says it's finished, he's not just saying, yeah, I just can't go on any longer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you have ever done and whatever you ever do, that the power and authority to forgive that sin or those sins, those decisions, Jesus says, I am now paying for those for you. This is why we as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is why you are absolutely in love with Jesus because anyone who would ever show up to your door and say, I'm covering your mortgage, you're like, you are now the godparent of my children. <laughs> right? Anyone shows up and pays your car off or your house off or, or your credit cards off, they become your best friend ever. How about a dude that says, your sins, I got it. You gotta know that as we go into Easter. But I gotta take you to the second place that I told you about. The tomb. Jesus' tomb is so significant because what plays out at the tomb is of the biggest deal. I used to work, uh, when I was in Kansas, I worked at a place called Big Brothers Big Sisters, and I did not work with a bunch of people who, who agreed with what I think about the Bible and Jesus, and we just, we had lots of um, heated conversations, but friendly conversations, and, and I was often asked, like, David, what is, what is the most holy place to a Christian? Is it the cross or is it the tomb? And I had never thought of it. Let me pitch the idea that the tomb is at least equal to. The tomb is a place where Jesus' body was put there. There's no doubt about it. In fact, you wouldn't even have to go to the Bible to find out these things. Uh, the Romans took extreme caution at itemizing everything that ever happened. And so we know for sure, because even the Romans stated, even Pilate talked about it, that Jesus, in fact, was crucified. He, in fact, was put into a tomb. They know exactly which tomb, and they know exactly what happened. They even installed guards, and they knew exactly what they were doing. It is proven. He died and was put into that tomb. This is the tomb, by the way. You can go to it. That's how much we know for certain. I don't know what you think about Christianity or following Jesus. I don't know if you like church, hate church. Maybe somebody tricked you at church right now. And you're like, I didn't even know we were coming. <laughs> Can I just tell you what I believe is the core of following the way of Jesus? What he did proves who he is. It's not that we are in love with standing up, sitting down, kneeling, and doing certain things in certain ways. It's not an infatuation that we have. 
It's not about learning all the songs in the right way and going to the right places and doing things in certain orders and stuff like that. It's not about watching what we say and all. No, it's the fact that there's a guy proven to have died, but then he came back to life. This is a game changer. If you don't know your stats about uh, the Romans, you know the Romans crucified on average a thousand people every year. A thousand. Do your math. You're like, that's pretty much every day. A crucifixion was not abnormal. It was routine to walk amongst a, a Roman road and be near a city and see crucifixions. It's just what they did. And in fact, there were even people before Jesus and after Jesus that said that they were the Messiah and the Savior. The reason that we dwell on, have a holiday all about Jesus and talk about Jesus is because Jesus didn't just say, I'm the Savior, I'm the way. He died proven but came back to life proven. And that's what's got us all stirred up. We may not have all the answers, but we got that one. So I, I believe with all my heart that, that Easter demands us to respond. So I thought about, I wonder where we're all at right now, and came up with three words. They all start with W's because I'm a preacher. I would like to help, if you don't already know how, to apply Easter. I want it to go so deep into your soul that it comes alive in your life. And so I wonder if, uh, if some of you are waiting on God right now, like you're just waiting on him, waiting on him to show up in some way, like, like God, we just, I already asked you and I'm just I'm waiting, like waiting on, on him to, to heal or, or to provide or just to give you the answer that you want. <laughs> Many of us like sit there like, God, we, we pray the, the prayer and then we wait and we get annoyed. And, and if that's you, you know what you ought to do? I can't guarantee you you can get the answer you want. You should go to the tomb. You should get yourself in front of the tomb. I'm not talking literally. You need to get your mind and your heart in front of the tomb. And maybe even as a picture for you where you're saying, I, I'm waiting on you. What do I do while I wait? You stare at the tomb and let it tell you, I don't know how, but he can make a way. It's where you remind yourself that the one I'm asking, the one I'm speaking to, has the power and authority to make a way. Either to fix it or to use it. Some of us are in a different camp. We're, we're wrestling with them. You've been asking him long enough and talking to him long enough, and maybe you've had certain situations happen that you're wrestling with him. You're going, I don't like what he's doing. And you're flat out, I mean, there's even stories in Scripture, people wrestling with him, and you're like, that's me. And if you're wrestling with God, I challenge you, don't stop wrestling with them. Wrestle and keep wrestling, but make sure that as you wrestle him in your mind is the empty tomb. Because as you wrestle him, you are wrestling someone who can make a way. And then there are many of us who are simply just wandering and wondering and just going, I don't know. Is he real? What's life mean? What's the purpose? And we're just wondering. And if you don't have the answers, 
welcome to life, go to the tomb. Because it's at the tomb that there is this undeniable moment that if you're going to ask anything of anyone, if you're going to be in relationship with anyone, if you're going to look to anyone, look to someone who can come back to life like that. So there's this moment in the Easter story I want to bring you to. Um, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. Yeah, I, this is another writer's angle on this. She, she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. Have you been there before, right? You don't know where God is? Have you looked at a situation, been in a situation, been in a moment, had a thought, had, had something come your way, showed up, and then you're like, where are you? And when you're, where are you, does that not feel like a no-way situation? But here's the kicker. Jesus enters this moment and gives us uh, an Easter question. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And there in the story, it's been there the whole time in the Bible, as you and I begin to look for the way, what's the way out of this? What's the way to fix this? Jesus asked the question a long time ago. Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for to make the way? Who are you looking to for hope? Who are you relying on? And I think that puts you and I in a situation, whether you want it or not, where we got to respond to that. And what better time than on Easter when we're celebrating the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the impossible way that he seemed to have made a way. It's beautiful. And that reminds me of Dave's story where we started. You may not have caught it. I've seen that story multiple times. If you were to rewatch it, what you would be reminded of, a moment where he says, there's no way I'm going back. There's no way I'm going back to a no way kind of life. I don't know what's going on in all of our individual lives, but I know that most of us are desperate for someone to make a way. So what I want to invite you into is uh, a time with God. Very simple, a time with God, where you go to him, what better setting, and you begin to cry out to him. So what would you do is, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just, it's a way for us to get focused. There's nothing super spiritual about closing your eyes or bowing your head. I just don't want you distracted. What I want to do is give you an opportunity and a moment to talk to God. And some of you right now, you know very clearly what to talk to him about. It could be about your marriage. It, it could be about your health. It could be about um, starting a family. It could be about where to go and how to go about doing it. And, but what I do want to spend this time specifically doing that if you've never invited this Jesus that I just talked to you about into your life to actually begin to make a way, to either fix what needs to be fixed or to use it in some way. And you've never invited, you don't know how to do that. 
That's what I want to spend our time on. If you've never spoken to him in this kind of a way, there's no magic words. Um, but you can speak this to him out loud or even quietly in your head. God, I want you into my life. I want you in my life now. I, I believe Jesus died and I believe he came back to life. And so I give you my life, God. Wash away all my sins. Consume every corner of my life. I'm going to follow your way. I'm going to be about your way. God, fill me up and lead me for the rest of eternity. I'm yours. I pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I, I, want you to, I just want you to hear my heart. Is I don't want you to stay anonymous. It's so easy to decide to follow Jesus, but then to keep it to yourself, and then you might find yourself in a situation where you try to make the way instead of letting Jesus be the way. So here, I, I'm going to invite you into something. This is going to be a little brave for you. I want you to text the word Easter to this number, 605-349-3273. If you'll text the word Easter to that number, uh, it, it lets us connect with you in a way where we just want to pray for you. I promise you, you're not going to inundate you with a bunch of stuff. But we even have uh, Pastor Kevin, who's our online pastor. He'd love to connect to you. So if you prayed that with me, be brave. Step out and text the word Easter and let us know that you decided to follow Jesus. Thank you so much for letting us show you who Jesus is.